Welcome to Mo on the Movies. Don't be ridiculous, darling. It's Mo on the movies. Kiss me. Not a chance. Well, it is a Friday. Oh, let me get this in there. It's free movie Friday. Thanks to our friends at Adam Tickets, the Adam Tickets app, where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions all from your phone, and skip the lines at the theater. At my theater now, I've finally seen the Adam Tickets app pre-order concession line and you know what there's never anyone in it because once you walk up there boom you get your stuff and go meanwhile dummy over here sit in line for 15 minutes minutes in the first several minutes of my movie because i need a little box of popcorn anyway you can win a couple of tickets at from adam tickets app all you have to do is text the word reporter to adam one text the word reporter to atom and the number one for your chance to win a couple of tickets from our friends at Adam Tickets. I am not going to read this, Mo. I mean, I'm not going to read the whole article, but um, Mo Kelly has joined us for Mo in the movies. Mark Hamill rips his role in The Last Jedi. He's not my Luke Skywalker. Uh-huh. I understand that there are some spoilers in there, even the mild ones, and I'm not going to get into it, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we can dance around it if yes, you want. Yes, I would do. I would like to dance around this because I, I talked with another friend of mine uh, who is also a huge uh, Star Wars fan, but I would go beyond fan. I would say, uh, and this may be true for you as well, he's a guy who, when the original movies came out, when Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi came out, he was at such a formative time in his life that he recognized early on there there has never been a movie like Star Wars. There has never been a sequel like Empire Strikes Back. And there have never, at the point, it was probably more technological than anything, there's never been a movie like Return of the Jedi. And those movies so impacted his life, it altered his career path. He decided he wanted to get into the career he got into because of those movies. He has all of this, the action figures. Um, he's a 45-year-old guy. He's got all the action figures. He remembers. All, he's read all the books. He's got, I mean, all that stuff. Disappointed when the next three came out. Uh, was okay with Force Awakens, but was, I mean, violently angry. People thought I was Jedi. exaggerating. No, I, well, and I thought you were too. And I knew that he wasn't a huge fan of the movie, but when I finally got to talk to him, it was more than just, it was a crappy movie, or we gave this guy, this Ryan Johnson guy, all these properties with the Star Wars stuff, and he screwed it up. It was a, it was, he was mad. Yes. I get it. I completely get it. It was a visceral response. Yes. If only because there is that connection to our childhood, and I guess it's almost sacrosanct on a certain level. And the differences with Star Wars it is known for continuity and canon. It does matter. You can't just go off into your own universe, pun intended, and do whatever you want. Right. There's a history of these characters, specifically Luke Skywalker, some 30 years that we have with the character. Without giving away specifics, Mark Hamill was talking about the character arc of the character from uh, episode four, five, and six. We saw someone who was kind of goofy naive. I hated Luke Skywalker, and I mean that in a good way, but yeah. I, I hated He was a punk. He was smart-mouthed. Yeah. I mean, Amparu should have smacked Petulant, that All those things. Him. Yes. And he grew, and all of a sudden, the weight of the rebellion fell on his shoulders. He was 
antsy and uh, impatient with Yoda. And then he grew into an almost an arrogant ass in Return of the Jedi. Right. And then he saw the good in his father and managed to bring him back to the light side. That's the story arc of Luke Skywalker. Even though this evil person who didn't, he didn't even know he was his father until the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back. And then he had to wrestle with the possibility of it in Return of the Jedi. And he ultimately accepted it. That is very important, knowing all that, going into The Last Jedi. And would a person who's gone along that character path do what this Luke Skywalker did in The Last Jedi? And for true fans, no way in the world. For Mark Hamill, no way in the world. Yeah, because I would imagine that as much as it means to guys who are our age that grew up with this, that, I mean, this was a a groundbreaking movie. Original Star Wars was a groundbreaking movie. Uh, The sequels were groundbreaking for their own reasons that it meant so much to us that it was um, that it would mean that to to Mark Hamill as well. I mean, because this was what everybody remembers him from this. Nobody remembers him from Corvette Summer. They remember him for being Luke Skywalker. And it's that's got to mean something to him. So I can understand the investment, the ownership that he's got over, you know, the character itself. He would feel a certain way of it if he felt like it was going off the tracks here. He's been a fantastic actor as far as voice actor. He's done a lot of things in the animated world. He has grown into a very fine actor in his own right. But this is his life's work, Yeah, Luke Skywalker. I, I saw an interview that he did. I want to say it was with uh, Stephen Colbert. And Colbert is also a guy who grew up with those original movies and had that. he had that same impact. So when he interviewed uh, Mark Hamill on stage, I mean, he was – he was that nervous 14-year-old kid like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's Luke Skywalker sitting next to me. But they talked a lot about uh, – Mark Hamill talked a lot about his voice work and the time that he spent as the Joker. Yes. It's 20, well, 21 years or 23 mm-hmm. years or something like that voicing the Joker in the animated cartoons uh, for and a lot of uh, video game work as well. Just a ridiculous amount of stuff and award-winning stuff that he's done with that. People think that he kind of left Hollywood because you didn't see him. Right. On the big screen, but no, he never stopped working. He just was not physically seen. And I don't remember if I asked you this or not. My son, of you know, a fan of Star Wars, but nowhere near the investment that you and I would have in this. Would someone like that? Would it? Would would teenagers like the movie, The Last Jedi? Oh, I could see how they could because they're probably emotionally disconnected. They could have seen the previous seven movies, but it wouldn't have the same personal affinity. When I first saw Star Wars. It was a family moment. I was with my father. I was with my grandfather, my mother's father. That will always be a part of my Star Wars story. So when you take something that I hold dear and near and in my mind bastardize it because you just want to make a contemporary story and disregard it. And I can say this a recurring theme in the, The Last Jedi and they show it in the trailers is kill the past. Destroy the past. That's what this movie is about. It's too bad. But, that, but, it, yeah. <laughs> it should have been a plot point, not something to ruin the uh, the uh, story arc of the Star Wars trilogies. All right. Uh, so let's talk about some of the other stuff that's coming out because, uh, you know, everybody's talking about Christmas movies. There are a bunch of different TV channels that are doing Christmas movie marathons, whatever it is. I think um, – I think uh, – 
Miracle on 34th Street airs 116 times between now and Tuesday, perhaps. Really? Uh, oh, wow. The, I mean, all of them. The, the other thing, the, the greatest movie, if you go by uh, a list that was put together on Rotten Tomatoes, they say the number one Christmas movie of all time is It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's just, I, I think that would be everyone's top pick. I mean, everybody's listened to it or watched it. I actually have a copy of the one of the original radio versions of It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, wow. An adaptation that they did on the radio, which is, it's fantastic. If you're driving somewhere, that's perfect. For me, it's one, two. It, you can go either way. If you want to talk about in historical terms in cinema, It's a Wonderful Life is number one. For me, it's probably Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. This on this same list that that it's number two. Okay, so it makes sense. Uh, it gets a little away from classic American cinema because number seven on the list is Die Hard. Absolutely, should have been ranked higher. <laughs> that I mean, abs- there's an ongoing debate. No, there's an ongoing debate whether Die Hard is actually a Christmas movie, and not only is it absolutely a Christmas movie, it's I would say of the past thirty years, it's probably the greatest Christmas movie of our generation. Uh, I would. Actually, in terms of being a Christmas movie, outside of the timing of it, I would say Scrooge was a better Christmas. If I mean, we're talking the last thirty years, Scrooge is above the list, uh, above Die Hard on the list no, for me. I think you're wrong on this one. But I would rather watch Die Hard. Die Hard is just a better movie. It's more quotable. There's more action. It actually has Christmas music in it at the end. <laughs> Let it snow. I mean, it is a fantastic piece of holiday cinema, bar none. Um, programming note, during Brian Suits' Dark Secret Place tomorrow night, I just talked to Brian a little bit earlier today, he is planning on doing a walkthrough of the Nakatomi building uh, in order to commemorate the 29th anniversary. You're proving my point now. You know that. You are walking right into my trap. (laughs) And I said... I said, well, I'm glad somebody's doing it. And he said, that, you know, the question is why, why aren't more people remembering that time? I don't think people really recognize the building that's over in Century City as oh, being yeah. the diehard building. It's not as distinctive as people think it is. Right. Well, they, you know what they should have done is they should have just, like in Philadelphia when they have the, they have the statue of Rocky at the top of the stairs in the right. art museum, they need to put a – just a fake bronzed Hans Gruber down on the ground where he ended up. Hans, booby, <laughs> I'm your white knight. <laughs> it's a cla- This will be a movie that we watch on, on Christmas Eve. We watched it last year. I want to say that was the first time we did it was last year. But my wife and I had talked about it for a long time. It's just the kids weren't really old enough. To- did you watch Scrooge? Yes. But it didn't get the reception. Mm-hmm. Not in my family. Mm-hmm. But I also made my family watch Time Bandits once. I like Time Bandits. I did too when I was 11. And it does it doesn't not age hold well. up. No. Man. <laughs> it doesn't age well. And every time I suggest a movie, everybody in the family goes, oh, is this anything like Time Bandits? No, I swear. Um, speaking of, the, I saw this on Colbert as well, the Netflix movie A Christmas Prince. And... This is a piece of crap, low budget, nobody you've ever heard of is in the movie called A Christmas Prince on Netflix. But Netflix sent out a tweet last week that went viral. And it said, to the 53 people who watched A Christmas Prince every day for the last 18 days, who hurt you? Now, part of that is Netflix making fun of its own content. Mm -hmm. Like, we know this is a giant steaming turd. 
Why are you watching this? And why have you watched it every day for the last 18 days? That's part of it. The other part of it is that Netflix is watching what you watch, just so you know. Not only that, I wonder what's going to happen if you couple that with what is being termed as another steaming piece of turd, the movie Bright. Right. Well, and the, the, featuring Will Smith. This this is proof that Netflix can control its own destiny here. Because do you know what is now the most popular movie, Christmas movie on Netflix? It's called A Christmas Prince. Even though it's a giant steaming pile, it is A Christmas Prince because they got their own uh I don't know, they got their own sarcasm, snarkiness taken to a level that they probably never expected. Now, this movie Bright with Will Smith and Joel Edgerton has also been deemed one of those giant steaming piles. And they've been advertising it and promoting it I've for the better part looking, of six months. I've been looking forward to this thing. I've been waiting for today. It came out at midnight, and it's a it's an LAPD crime show. Let's throw in the twist. There are also fairies and orcs who live in L.A. What's unusual about that? Okay, well, it's that they. I think they tried to blend a couple of different genres here. Yeah, they did. Um, the the just normal crime show, LAPD, has been the subject of how many countless TV shows and movies. And then Fairies and Orcs as well. This fantastical land. And there's there's obvious racial connotation to a full different species being treated differently than right. humans yeah, and and how that breaks down but apparently they did a really bad job at it when i saw the preview i said this is like alien nation that old tv show yes from like the late 80s it just didn't seem like it was anything original in that and if you didn't have will smith as at least as the star i don't think anyone would have cared yeah well i i've seen the vast majority of the reviews that I've read in the last couple of days have been negative. There was one that said that this is probably Netflix's best movie in that it was very well produced. It's well shot. I mean, it's all of that is is on par with a big movie studio flop, but a big movie studio show uh, that what's lost in all of that is a pretty good performance by Will Smith and Joel Edgerton as the two lead characters in this. Mm. Which is, you know, I mean, I don't know how much you, how much emphasis you put in Will Smith. I think he's a fine actor. He's proven it in many different roles. Uh, but it's just, it's too bad that it gets lost in this, uh, this salad of horrible movie. And I will watch it if only because it's Netflix and it's not like I'm paying anything extra to download it or rent it or, or just to see it. So I'll probably watch it. It's, it's probably perfect for a Saturday afternoon when there's nothing else on. Yeah. And in, I don't know. In between the uh, Beefo Brady's Bowl and the. Exactly. <laughs> and the California Carrot Bowl or something like that. Uh, all right. So let's talk about some of the movies that are actually coming out this weekend on the big screens. Uh, we have a bunch that actually opened on Wednesday uh, because of the lengthened, uh, if you want to call it that, the lengthened Christmas box office holiday, if you want to call it that. Okay. So Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Four teenagers discover the old video game console, literally drawn into the game's jungle setting, becoming the adult avatars that they had chosen to play the game with. Think we got sucked into Jumanji, and we become the avatars we chose. So that means... Bethany? Oh, wait, Bethany? Don't look at it! No! 
I'm an overweight middle-aged man. Well, I don't have my Claritin, and all I see around here is pollen. Well, I don't have a top two feet of my body. Uh, not dying to see this. My wife wants to see it because it's Dwayne Johnson. I'm not dying to see this. Karen Gillan, Kevin Hart, Jack Black. See, my wife loves Dwayne The Rock Johnson, too. And that's why I would boycott it on just principle. <laughs> but if, if that were not a variable in the equation, yeah. it just seems like it's a... Not, I'm not disparaging it. I'm just saying it seems like something very familiar we've seen in terms of Kevin Hart and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Right. Um, what was the movie that he Their did? Their Central Intelligence. Central Intelligence, that's right. And that was funny. Yeah. But, but I think we've seen it. Central <laughs> Intelligence in a in a wild island area. Right. So, uh, Greatest Showman. WD, and I want to introduce my newest hire, Mr. Philip Carlisle. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, pleasure. And what is your act, Mr. Carlisle? I don't have an act. Hmm. Everyone's got an act. Uh, interesting. It's it's an it's a musical. Don't uh, be fooled going into it that it's sort of a circus action movie. It's a it's a musical, uh, but Hugh Jackman can belt it out. That guy can he, sing. He already has a Tony Award for yeah. Best Actor in a Musical. He is going to do just fine. But he plays uh, uh, inspired by the imagination of P.T. Barnum. The Greatest Showman is an original musical celebrating the birth of show business. It tells of a visionary who rose from nothing to create a spectacle that became a worldwide sensation. Hugh Jackman, you heard Zac Efron there, Zendaya. Also, Michelle Williams is in this movie. So, are you, I'm a musical guy. Are you a... I am a, I'm a big musical guy, but I'm also very discerning. When you can tell that the actor can't sing and they're <laughs> Someone and else overdubbed. Yeah. yeah, those are the things which jump out at me. Uh, Pitch Perfect girls are back following their win at the World Championship. They're now separated uh, and reunite for one last singing competition at an overseas USO tour. I guess they had to do something because the first two movies made a lot of money. But they face a group who uses both instruments and voices. Every year the USO puts on this performance to entertain and support the troops. And this year, DJ Khaled is hosting. He's got like a gazillion hit songs. And he's super famous. I saw him on a tax commercial. What if I could get us an invite? <laughs> to sing? No. To run military dark ops. Yes, of course to sing. <laughs> <laughs> This movie was so widely panned. Yeah. I the I liked the first one in that it talked I mean acapella groups can do amazing things. Correct. Uh the second one they just did the same stuff. Yeah, and this and the one the they just one, mailed it in from what I understand. Just, just mailed it in. The same same stuff. The one I really want to see, the one of of all of these that I think is probably most uh alluring in terms of the the premise, the actors, the story is the movie Downsizing, a social satire in which a guy realizes that he would have a much better life if all he did was shrink himself. Matt Damon, Kristen Wiig plays his wife. Here they are on a train to go to get the process done. Moving to town, or are you? How's that? I say you're moving to Leisureland. You look like a nice young couple. Thanks. Where are you from? Uh, Omaha. Spokane. Nervous? Yeah, you know, uh, little. Don't be. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Uh, obviously, it's not the best thing he'll ever do. He's going to run into some sort of moral dilemma at this, you know, at some point. But visually, it looks really interesting. It looks, it looks like it's going to be fun to go through, and it better be because it's two hours and fifteen minutes long. This is what they call high concept. 
you get it immediately from the moment that it's explained to mm-hmm. you and you can your mind can go a thousand different places with the types of jokes and visual imagery that they can offer and it to me it's something different we've had shrinking movies before but not like this never never ones that that dealt with i i'm assuming the emotional aspect of it the i mean honey i shrunk the kids had some sad moments in it but it was never um you know am i changing am i altering my life forever kind of a thing yeah and and they're asking the question about the 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 social changes which go on life day to day over a long period of time not just for four hours within the context of a movie because we need we have this MacGuffin where we need to get this done before we come back to real size or get ourselves back up to normal size. So right. this is this is um, all those about uh, unintended consequences of you think you want this, but not really. Um, how about Christian Bale in Hostiles? I've killed savages because that's my job. You have no idea what war does to men. I hate them. I got a war bag of reasons to hate them. This will be done, and it will be done by you. Back in 1892, legendary army captain agrees to escort a Cheyenne chief and his family through dangerous territory. He hates him. I'm going to throw out a guess here. By the end, he doesn't hate him. I just want him to go Batman once. Where is she? (laughs) Just once. (laughs) At some point. Uh, Father Figures is also coming out. This is Owen Wilson and Ed Helms along with Glenn Close and a bunch of other people, including Terry Bradshaw. These two boneheads, Owen Wilson and Ed Helms, uh, figure out their mother's been lying to them for years about their allegedly deceased father, and then they try to figure out who the real dad is. Do you remember a woman named Helen Baxter? Talk about a blast from the past. She had the tightest ass you've ever seen. A mouth and that tongue and a set of knockers. <laughs> Damn near cost us a Super Bowl. She's our mom. It sounds like it's, one joke which is played out way too long. Yeah, it's a joke, one joke that's played out for 113 minutes. So, if you're willing to spend that money, that I'm sorry. There's probably one really funny moment. Yeah, and that's and it, it. It was in the trailer <laughs> yeah. probably. That was the one. And then finally, here's one that's a they uh, at least limited release now, probably wide release in a couple of weeks. Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Sarah Paulson, Bob Odenkirk. The it's called the Post, a cover up that spanned the four U.S. presidents pushed the country's first female newspaper publisher, hard driving editor, to join an unprecedented battle between journalists and government. Since the way things worked, politicians and the press they trusted each other so they could go to the same dinner party and drink cocktails and tell jokes while there was a war Thanks. raging in Vietnam. I don't know what we're talking about. I I'm not protecting. Lyndon. No, you got his former Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara, the man who commissioned. This study. He's I'm one of about a dozen party him. guests I'm not out on your any of them. I'm protecting the paper. Hey, guess what? She's going to win an award. Yeah, and this is, if you know anything about it, this is about the Pentagon Papers where the Washington Post against, uh, basically defied the Nixon administration and put out what was the U.S. Vietnam policy and the reasons for it from 1945 to 1967. And you know me, when there's a lot of actual history behind it, it makes it very easy for me to poke holes in a film. Right. Yeah. But. I mean, that being said, Spielberg was at the helm of this. I mean, he has uh, a good reputation for sticking to the story yeah. when it comes to stuff like that. So this is this is a, an award uh, vehicle, perhaps, for Meryl Streep, maybe for Tom Hanks as well, depending on, on how he does. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's coming up on your show this weekend. Um, 
Christmas stuff. Yeah, I love it. And Christmas stuff. Hey, Moe's stocking stuffer ideas. The top 25 list of Moe's stocking stuffers coming up tomorrow's show. You got it. Why right. not? <laughs> Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. ABC's Jason Nathans is going to join us when we come back. We'll talk about the TV shows from big screen all the way down to small screen. The top TV shows from Jane at in 2017. That's next on Gary and Shannon. It was an itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini that she wore for the first time today. An itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. So in the locker she wanted to stay. Two, three, four, stick around. We'll tell you more. Gary and Shannon, 1960 is our flashback Friday year. It was the first year the New York Jets were a football team. And those New York football Jets are going to be taking on your L.A. Chargers coming up on Sunday. That's where Shannon is today, actually, on her way to East Rutherford, New Jersey. And it should be a fantastically chilly Sunday when she gets there. ABC's Jason Nathanson. Uh, JNAT gets to join us on this Friday. Or I should say, we get to have JNAT join us on this Friday. How are you, man? Either way. I, you know, I'm not particular. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be here. what I love about you. You don't care. Uh, let's talk about uh, the the small screen. I just ended up talking with Mo Kelly for a good half an hour about movie stuff, and this has been quite a year for uh, for television. Tell me about what you think was uh, some of the best stuff we saw on the small screen. It has. It's been. Uh, I mean, we're in the middle of what they're calling peak TV. Over four hundred scripted series are out there for you to watch, which you can't possibly watch all of. I can't possibly watch all of, even though it's my job to. Uh, so I came up with a list of my top five, and I hope. And I have a feeling most of you are not watching these shows, which makes me very happy. Not that you didn't watch them, but because you get to now go watch them. So uh, of the top five, two of them are shows that ended this year, one being The Leftovers on HBO, which was just a fantastic, fantastic show that aired for four seasons. Um, and possibly no show was as unpredictable as The Leftovers. A lot of shows you kind of know where it's going to go. Leftovers was a treat because every every episode you had no idea where it was going to go. Uh, it was darkly funny. It tackled some of life's most existential questions. Um, and fantastic performances from Justin Theroux and Carrie Coon especially, who was the actress who starred in it, uh, who was also in this season of Fargo. Um, and it's a crime that she was never nominated for an Emmy for this role, especially for this last season, because she had just some heartbreaking scenes. So this was only three seasons long or four? Four seasons long. Four this seasons. Was, this was the fourth, fourth and last season. Um, so it's available now. You could go binge the whole thing um, on HBO if you have their app or, or however you get your stuff. Um, and I would highly recommend it because, the, I mean, the whole the whole thing is good. Um, I think each episode, each season is 10 episodes, so it wouldn't take you that long. But this last season was fantastic, and it gave you answers. It's a show kind of about mysteries and things like that and, and weird you know, science fiction type stuff, but this last season gave you answers, which I appreciate. That's nice. <laughs> Nobody loves a cliffhanger at the end of the series. No, but it happens so often, and so often at these shows, it's like, oh, it was all just a mystery dream from the end. No, this one actually gives you something <laughs> concrete that you can go, okay, uh, I that's cool. That's called the new heart, I think, is how they... Well, yeah. <laughs> what else? What else are we talking about? Uh, the other show that ended this year that was fantastic, uh, Halt and Catch Fire. This was on AMC about the dawn of the computer age in the 80s, and then by the end of the series, it was also four seasons. Uh, it ended up in the 90s in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Um, it was about technology, but really it was about relationships, and it just it was uh, very... It was, it was 
funny at times. It was emotional at times. Uh, great directing, great acting in the whole ensemble from the whole thing. Um, this is another one that if you haven't seen it, I would suggest you go back and watch. You could almost start this from season two, though. Um, season one was okay, but it was a really slow burner, and the show didn't know where what its focus was. By season two, it found it, and it nailed it, um, and then just got fantastic towards the end in, in the last season. And that's on AMC. That is on AMC. So I guess that's on their app. Um, if you have Sling TV like me, you can watch it through there. Um, or I don't know how they do their stuff. I don't know what streaming service it's on. If- they, I know that they do. Or they have an app as well. That's where I was watching some of the uh, Fear the Walking Dead. So. So there you go. Okay. Watch it on there. Keep going. Go down this list. Uh, the, 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 the last one, this is my last drama on the list, uh, is the second season of The Crown, which just returned to Netflix this month um, and does a fantastic job of mixing gossip, politics, history, and the royal family. This season they, get in, they introduce the Kennedys, make an appearance, and you learn a lot of stuff. It's not 100% factual, but you're going to watch these episodes and be like, did that really happen? With Jack- did Jackie Kennedy really say that to the Queen? And then you're going to go and you'll look it up and you'll see maybe it happened a little bit, not exactly. Um, but it, it's just it's, it's a fascinating series, and it's back better than ever this season. Uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards for both uh, Claire Foy and I think John Lithgow as well. Yes. Uh, Emmy Awards, Outstanding Drama Series. That that My wife watched that, loved it. I only saw Lithgow as, um, as Churchill. I mean, those are the highlights that I remember, and it was just jaw-dropping how well he did in that. And he's not there this season because they've moved on. They're past the Churchill years, so right. no John Lithgow. Um, we, but the series, it picks up, and it's fine. And then next season, they're going to have a whole new – or is it, is it – they have one more. Yeah, and I think it's next season. They have a whole new cast because they're going to go into the later years of the Queen. So they're going to completely reboot it. Interesting. Which is dangerous, but, you know, I, I, I have faith in the show. Uh, anything funny to, to yeah. watch? So the other two shows are comedies, and they are brand new this year, first-year comedies that made the list. Smilf is one of them. That is on Showtime. It's from Frankie Shaw, who writes and stars in it. She plays a single mom struggling to get by in Boston. Uh, It's a very fresh voice, something we're not seeing on TV right now. Rosie O'Donnell is fantastic as her mother and should win an Emmy Award for Best Supporting Actress in a Series. Uh, I I really hope she gets nominated. The season finale of Smilf is is this Sunday, um, and you can catch up on that on the Showtime app. And then last one. You have five here, so one more. This is my... Perhaps my favorite show, no show did I binge faster this year than Big Mouth on Netflix. This is a comedy. It's an adult, it's an adult animated comedy from the mind of Nick Kroll and his friends. If you ever watched the Kroll show, or you know these guys. And it's so funny and so demented and really, really, really dirty, like super R-rated dirty. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's an animated show about a group of young teens hitting puberty and how they deal with that. Um, and I, I, I watched it in, a, in less than a day. Yeah, and everybody would recognize Nick Kroll probably if they saw the picture of him. Uh, yeah, he's one of those guys, char- kind of character actor yeah. in the league as well. Um, he's really, really funny guy. Uh, Parks and Rec, he's on there as well. Um, and a lot of those guys, John Mulaney, um, they all travel in the same comedy circle. We'll put you on the spot since those are HBO, AMC, Netflix, Showtime shows. Anything on the big networks? Anything on ABC, NBC, CBS that you liked? I'm still watching This Is Us. Um, it's good, but I, uh, I, you know, maybe not every week. I'm, I'm, I'll catch up. I'll wait for a couple, and then I'll watch that. Um, I still like Modern Family. You yeah. know, I watch that every week. That and Blackish, I watch every week. Big Bang Theory, I used to watch. Um, I'll catch up on that now and then. 
nothing new though that stuck out to me. And we're about to get into the the uh, winter season, so I'm I'm starting to watch the screeners for that. There are a couple of promising pilots. Um, but the networks are kind of falling short. Yeah. All right. Well, have a great holiday. Have some time off, I hope, right? I Yes, I will be off uh, most of next week. Excellent. Uh, well, tip one oh, back for me, will you? Cooking some meats. All right. All right, Jason, thank you so much. Take care. Jason Nathanson there from ABC News, uh, their entertainment reporter just over the hill there in the Hollywood area. Uh, and, again, those those shows that he talked about, The Leftovers on HBO, Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. Those are the two uh, shows that have ended their seasons, uh, ended their series. The Crown on Netflix, Smilf on Showtime, and Big Mouth on Netflix. When we come back. Just a quick update. I've been watching this headline uh, come out about the guy who was arrested for a terror plot against Pier 39 up in San Francisco. We'll tell you about that and maybe get into this uh, this frat party that was so drunk that even the house was drunk. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. Hey, it's Free Movie Friday. You want a chance to win a couple of tickets from our friends at Adam Tickets. Text the word reporter to A-T-O-M and the number one, Adam1, for your chance to win a pair of tickets. On this free movie Friday. Hey, uh, just an update now. John and Ken are going to have more on this in just a few minutes. But federal authorities have charged a 26-year-old guy from Modesto with planning a terror attack on Pier 39 up in San Francisco. This guy was a tow truck driver, discharged Marine, named Everett Jameson. Uh, They said that he was attempting to provide material support to ISIS. So uh, a homegrown potential terrorism plot. That has now been foiled, so that uh, they'll have more information on that. Wait, hey, have a Merry Christmas to you and to yours. And we'll see you in the new year. Stay dry, everybody. Gary and Shannon's Side Studio Show. Coming up later this morning on the Gary and Shannon Show. Google. Coming up later this morning on the Gary and Shannon Show. <laughs> and why do I know? I know that whenever you say go and then I go, you're going to laugh. Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon Show. <laughs> Sorry. That, what's in those meat things? <laughs> Call Solar Max now at pound 250. No, you do that one. Call, us, <coughs> call Solar. Wait, I wanted to make sure to get it on there. <laughs> How are you doing? All weighted down? No? It's good bread. You need to make a grunty. No. Make a grunty? It's not you just mom. go grunty. Oh, You'll go make grunty. a grunty. <laughs> Learn how to make crack. Trade it for rent. Okay, Blake. Selling crack, Blake, isn't the only way to make a living. Yeah, he could sell his body at a discount. Some women like, uh, you know, spelt Bony. men. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Merry We're- Christmas. Do you want to do this? or Oh, you're just doing that. Oh, I got it. Sorry. I thought you were having Christmas Tourette. This has been Gary and Shannon's Side Studio Show. Stay tuned for more outtakes and bloopers. Stay outtakes and bloopers. You know what I'm saying. We're going to keep screwing up. Well, that's all the time we have. Join us next time on Gary and Shannon.